There is no doubt that Alzheimer's is one of the most frustrating conditions to deal with. It's tough on the person who suffers from the Alzheimer's, but for family members, in many ways, it can be even more difficult. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest today is Charles Fushilla Jr. He was appointed President and Chief Executive Officer of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America in 2014. First of all, Mr. Fashilla, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Doctor. Thanks for having me on. I know you've done a lot of work. I mean, just reading your bio, how you've, you've really increased the national presence, critical assistance for individuals confronting dementia, caregivers and families, and, and the organization has grown. Um, your interest and the reason why you got involved, what, what led you to become involved in this battle? Well, prior to coming on as the CEO of the foundation, I was a legislator from New York for almost 16 years and very involved in health issues throughout the state. But it was our founder, Bert Brodsky, who founded the foundation based on his own personal experience as a caregiver for his mom. And I truly believed in his vision and the mission where the disease is so prevalent in our society throughout the nation and the need for care is, is so critically important wanted to create a foundation which he has very successfully where people can turn to when Alzheimer's walks into their life. And so many people have it in their family, and and, and they not only have it in their family, but they have to deal with these issues. It can be financially difficult and emotionally far more difficult. Years ago, there was a book, The 36-Hour Day, which chronicled people and, and their fight caring for people with Alzheimer's. Maybe you can address that first. What are some of the challenges for someone who has to care for an Alzheimer's patient? challenges are enormous. I mean, first of all, you, you need to be educated, and that's where our strength is. We start off with a national toll-free helpline that's staffed by licensed social workers that are dementia care trained specific. No volunteers, all staff that are trained. And the first thing we do is educate individuals on the disease, whether it's somebody who's calling us, doctor, who is concerned about their own memory or a caregiver. You know, you know as well as I do, education is strength, education is power. And then we, 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 we advise them on building a team. And while the individual is still able to participate in the decision-making, there are so many decisions that need to be made. There are family decisions. There are financial decisions. There are decisions that, you know, individuals have to make as part of a team. And then you take it from there. And then depending on the type of care that is needed, team is so critically important. And the reason I emphasize that is the emotional, physical stress of a caregiver can be overwhelming. And you want to have to ensure that the caregiver avoids caregiver burnout. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Charles Fushilla. He is president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. And we obviously have a physician audience. It's an opportunity also for you to talk to a lot of physicians. What do you think physicians need to be more aware of when they're working with their patients? Maybe they are working with patients who have dementia or family members of someone with dementia. Even if they don't have patients or individuals with dementia or Alzheimer's in the history of the family or the, or the, the patient they're seeing, healthy brain checkup is so critically important. That's one of the initiatives we, we emphasize to clinicians throughout the country. I go for a physical every year, like many people do, and all too often, what aren't we asked and what is, aren't we given is a, is a memory screening to check to see how our memory is. You know, we, we, we always ask physicians if they are treating somebody with Alzheimer's or if it's in their family to speak to the individual themselves if they possibly can at the time and see how they're doing rather than ask, you know, if a loved one is with them, how's your mom doing or how's your dad doing? 
we want to know how the individual patient is doing right there. And, you know, we emphasize an initiative that we started uh, more than a decade ago for clinicians to give memory screenings. And our National Memory Screening Program since inception has screened more than 2.5 million individuals. And as you know as well as I do, it's not a diagnosis, but at least you, it gives a, a point in somebody's life when they take this test and if they score below a baseline, we encourage them to go see their physician and see if there's anything that needs to take it further. Now, is this something where they could do that online if they wanted to? Yeah, they, it is possible, but if they want a memory screening, you know, we do screenings on a daily basis throughout the nation. They could simply call our office at 866-232-8484, and we can arrange for a memory screening. You know as well as I do, and, and we always caution individuals that if you have a memory concern, it's not always necessarily Alzheimer's. It could be a vitamin deficiency. It could be a thyroid issue. It could be depression. All are treatable or correctable, but you're only going to find that out if you go see your physician, if you're concerned about your memory or get a memory screening. It's interesting that in your background, when you were in politics and you served, you actually were involved on the Senate Health Committee. When you're in that kind of a position, how effective are leaders at being able to put across policies? I know there's always a lot of criticism back and forth, but in those roles, do you have a lot of people working very hard trying to make changes? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was in New York State, I was part of the health committee. Our chair was Senator Campanon, who's still there, probably one of the most effective legislators, we always said, in the state of New York. But it's it's so critically important that people do get involved and the legislature writes laws that positively effectuate change in individuals' lives. You know, one of the issues that came to me uh, was autism, and we had written a law that allowed for the first time for insurance reimbursement for the diagnosed treatment and therapy of autism, and that came together because all the autism groups came to Albany and, and lobbied heavily, as well as now individuals, the, the Alzheimer's groups come to Albany or come to Washington. Now, look at Washington. In, in 2014, it was $500 million that was allocated only for research. It may sound like a lot of money, but it's not when $6 billion a year is allocated for cancer research, and it should be. Now, as we look at it, it's almost a billion dollars, and the federal government in a supplemental budget just appropriated another $350 million, which would, for the first time, put it over a billion dollars in research. So the advocacy groups, individuals with concerned interests, do play a significant part in shaping uh, the shape of research and care. You know, you bring up a really good point. You know, to the average person, you just hear the number of $500 million and it's just it's mind-boggling. So you just hear, oh, that's probably got that covered. And, and I think people don't necessarily understand you know, just how much money research takes. It takes billions and billions of dollars. And they say to effectively, you know, find prevention and cure in the federal government, it should be at least a minimum of $2 billion. And we're certainly not, not there at all. Dr. Davies was our keynote speaker at our educational conference in the spring in New York City. And he was showing some figures that there are almost 2,000 trials going on right now in the United States. This is billions and billions of dollars that are necessary to find a cure. Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I know in my works and my reporting and stories I do, at least once every few weeks, I I do a a story related to Alzheimer's, some sort of research, some exciting finding. But I always have to temper it by saying this is just a piece of information. Hopefully this will lead to more because it is not necessarily the answer because you just know people are just clinging and waiting for that answer. And it would be terribly unfair to say that. It's hope. And that's what they're looking, you know, we're all looking for is hope. And there are research 
projects going on throughout the entire world, and we're looking at funding research projects with the Feinstein Institute and also Hadassah with their research as well. We funded projects at the Cleveland Clinic affiliate, which is the Lou Ruval Brain Disease and Research Center in Las Vegas, a project with the University of Penn and a project with Winthrop University. It's part of what we do, and it's critically important that the funds are there for research in the hope, doctor, to find a cure. And where do you think we are as far as, from your perspective, are are you seeing some major developments that you're informed about? I am. I am. Look, I'm very optimistic. I always have hope. We have the finest researchers in the world that are working on this every minute, seven days a week, and uh, we're always hope there are breakthroughs. There are a lot of trials that are going on right now throughout the country and throughout the world. So we we keep hoping and uh, are very optimistic. Where do you see the drawbacks? What are the problems right now in the battle against Alzheimer's? Well, with research, it's money. Unfortunately, it's money because there has been a failure rate with these projects. But with care, you know, that's one of the reasons why we were founded, to provide optimal care to individuals with Alzheimer's and caregivers and family. And it's critically important that people don't accept denial. What I mean by that is our national toll-free helpline gets thousands and thousands of calls. But it's still a stigma attached to this disease. And all too often, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, oh, my father, my mother, my husband, my wife. Well, we noticed changes about a year or two ago, but we just thought it was part of the aging process. We should have done something then. Denial is a a critically important component that we need to overcome. No, I think you're right. I mean, a lot of people will say that they thought they sensed something, but they, you just don't really want to deal with it, and you figure it might get better, and you're not sure. Let's talk about that for a minute. Again, from your perspective, the differences between just normal aging and someone who might be developing Alzheimer's, what are some of those subtle changes? Well, you know, it's not the normal part of aging. We have to make that clear. But those, you know, there are many different stages of early of, of Alzheimer's disease, and we classify them as early or mid, mid-stages. And many people in, mid, in these early stages will forget words and misplace objects, forget something that they just read, ask the same question over and over, or have trouble making plans or organizing, and not remember the names of people they just met. And if you're experiencing any, any of these conditions, go see your physician immediately. Mild, moderate, or middle stage, and that's the increasing memory loss. And confusion will start to come in, problems recognizing your family members, your friends, repeating stories, decreasing in the ability for an individual to handle routine or complex tasks. You know, when I say routine, such as planning dinner, paying your bills, handling the personal finances. If you see somebody who has all of a sudden has a lack of hygiene in in appearance and has trouble properly dressing themselves. These are all serious issues that need to be addressed, and you can't just say, well, it's a part of aging, they're getting older. Not the case. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. We have a few more minutes left with Charles Fischilla. He is the president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We're talking about some of the changes and things that you do see with Alzheimer's and with dementia I mean, the problem clearly is not going away. It's getting worse as we get older. That's a challenge as well, isn't it? The fact that we're getting an older population, so you're going to see a growing number of cases strictly by percentages. It's expected to triple by 2050 because people are living longer, the generations are getting older. So the care and the services that we provide at AFA is so critically important for families. And, you know, I always encourage individuals, if, if, you, if, you, if you think there's a problem, 
give us a call. You need to talk to a licensed social worker that is dementia care-specific trained and see what really the problem is and what is to expect. Your life will never be the same, obviously, if you have Alzheimer's, but it's not the same for the family as well. Society needs to be better educated. Society needs to stop being in denial about this and, and drop the stigma that's attached to it because people are living with this disease. People are living longer. Obviously, in, in every case, I'm sure that you've seen it's always different, but there are places that can help, and that's why AFA was founded. And we're very proud of the fact that our helpline is now 9 to 9, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., and we just opened it up on Saturdays as well. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to give that number again. No, that would be great. It's 866-232-8484. And that is good because it will definitely be another resource for people to use and physicians to use for their patients. With about a minute to go, I did want to ask you, I mean, recently, shortly before the taping of this program, Pat Summit, a famous basketball coach, woman's coach who set all sorts of records up dare say she's the John Wooden of female coaches or John Wooden's the, the Pat Summit of male coaches. She died of results of Alzheimer's at a very young age, relatively in her 60s. When something like that happens, do you see a spike in donations? I mean, clearly there is a spike in awareness. Well, we see a spike in awareness. I will say that. We applaud her foundation. We applaud her. We applaud her son. You know, certainly a trailblazer, what she did for women's basketball, but a trailblazer, what she did for Alzheimer's. She didn't run and hide. And she was out there. She was out there when she was able to do to talk about the disease and that people should be tested and people should go through memory screenings. But we do see a peak in interest, which is critically important. And we always encourage people to call us as, as the first step. Well, Charles Fashilla, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care today. Anything you wanted to add in the final moment? The only thing I want to add is repeat our national toll-free helpline. That is 866 866- Two three two eight four eight four, and our licensed social workers are there to help and answer any questions, offer guidance, counseling, education, and support. And that's critically important. If you have any concerns, just pick up the phone and make that phone call. Well, you can't give out that number enough because it certainly is a resource, and that's what we need in the battle against this condition. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me on. And if you've missed any of this broadcast, you can catch it on our podcast, Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Until next time, be part of the knowledge.